Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. This perfect father loved us and restored us to himself through sacrificing himself. And I can't quite emphasize that enough. That God looked at his children and thought, the only way I'm going to restore this relationship with you is by sacrificing part of me. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. It was already known, really, before the creation of the world, that the Lamb, God's Son, would die for our sins. And that blows our mind because we can't think in in terms of... um, omniscience because we're not omniscient but god is and so god sent his son jesus for us and i've been just meditating on the name jesus and meditating on the name jesus and i started looking at this study and what god was pulling out of the bible at least for me and it's interesting because it's all about Jesus, but I want us to gather facts and I want to even bring some handouts next time. Um, if that will help you, I wish I had done it today, but, but, um, I fell asleep, um, because I kind of woke up early. So then I fell asleep right before I came here. I want you to just listen and, and take notes just to hear some of the facts in in the name of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, and the impossibility of anyone fulfilling the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus. So from the fallen Genesis, everything in the Old Testament points to a Savior. The Hebrew people are waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the Anointed One. And, And God makes sure that the sacrifices and all of their laws and everything points to a savior. I think it's interesting that there's 14 generations between Adam and Abraham, 14 generations between Abraham and David, 14 generations between David and the exile to Babylon, 14 generations between the exile to Babylon to Jesus, and so far around 100 generations between Jesus to today. Uh, around 2,000 years. He's already come, and he's going to come back. And, and you know, I think of, like, how his brother, I think it was James, said, you know, if you're going to do all this miraculous work and you want people to believe your name, go ahead and get your ministry started. Let's get started already, you know. Don't just sit here in, in um, this little small town. Get yourself to Jerusalem and really show it and and how Jesus himself said, you know, my, my days and my timing, they're, they're, not, they're not yours. And that's so like God. But I, I look at this and I think, could that be happenstance? That separation. And then there's no way for me to go through all this, but we can trace Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. We can trace it, not just through a Christian scholar, but scholars and looking at it at, at Hebrew history, looking at uh, why would God choose a, a group of people who were so precise as his 
chosen people that that or why would he urge them in their hearts to write down every father and son and father and son but you look at zero bc and that's um adam <laughs> when were you born how would you like to be able to say that i was born in zero bc and um i would be the oldest human adam stuck around until 930 bc and I'm going to tell you there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, in other words, there's Adam and Eve. Seth is born to Adam and Eve. Enosh born to Seth. Seth, Canaan, son of Enosh, born of Mehel, son of Canaan. I'm probably just butchering this up. But what they're doing, what it's doing is literally tracing back the genealogy of Jesus. It's not saying these are all the children of Adam. It's saying this is the strain. This is the redemptive string. This is the redemptive blood line that you can go back and see that God came in the flesh. And then it's interesting to me in 1056, Noah is born and I didn't realize this, but Methuselah was Noah's father, which I don't think I realized. And he died the year of the flood, but he didn't die in the flood. He died before the flood. 1657 BC on the 17th day of the seventh month. What is this seven thing that we keep getting, you know? On the 17th day of the seventh month, Noah's ark lands on Mount Ararat. Lacey saw Mount Ararat from his hotel in Armenia. It's in Turkey. And we have friends, and you probably have seen videos and things now, but um, who actually discovered um, Noah's ark and went in through the Turkish police, and it was a mess, but have video and and remnants of what they are guarding and don't want the world to see that it is there on Mount Ararat in Turkey, which is borderline to Armenia. And of course, Lacey was there to adopt our son, Storm. I could go on and on and on and on. I'm not, I, I will go all the way there to say that I've skipped so many generations. I don't even know. I probably should have counted. Let's see, five, ten. I'm just going to guess 35 generations. And then here's Abram. Remember him? The father of many nations. His name being changed to Abraham. And then we get to Matthew. And so people scratch their heads. I know always when we've been in church or something, when the pastor would go, and now we're going to read in the beginning of Matthew, I would think, oh, no. Because it's this long genealogy. And it's just, I remember thinking, too, like being a little kid and thinking, I wonder what a begat is, you know? And so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat. I just thought, you know, I don't think I ever want to begat someone. But when we look at it, it ties in perfectly. If you look at this, Matthew 1, 2, if you have your Bible with you, goes straight from the Old Testament Abraham into the genealogy of Jesus. So here we have Abraham born in 1948 BC, and then we go straight to Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob, Judah. Judah, 
and his brothers, Judah begot Perez and, and Zerah by Tamar. And the reason it's interesting, he lists, um, God lists certain women that are in Jesus' bloodline because usually they are either outside of the Jewish faith or of ill repute. In other words, God's saying, I'm doing a redemptive bloodline through people that aren't perfect. They're just like you. And, and, and I get so excited because of the specific things that God pulls out. And, and I could spend, y'all could tell, I could spend all day on, on just the genealogy. Just because I think the interesting thing is why did God say this and not say that? You know, why did he include Tamar? Um, well, we, that's a whole other story. But that in and of itself is God's redemptive love for us and how much he loves us. If you go skip down to Matthew 1, 6, and that means we've skipped a lot of people. Um, it says, Jesse begot David the king, David begot Solomon. And it says, by her who had been the wife of Uriah. See again, God is saying, it wasn't such a good deal, but I used it for good, you know. And so we skip all the way down. If you go to Matthew 7, 8, 9, 10, it's still going, 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 going. And I won't read all of it, but once we get to Matthew 1, 16, it said, Then Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. And not only have there been all of these Old Testament prophecies that the Messiah would come out of the Davidic bloodline, but... I want us to look at some serious prophecies and, and how impossible it would have been for anyone to fulfill them. Anyone other than God himself. But before I even do, I want to look at the name of Jesus. That is something that keeps coming to me so, so much. And I, I know that some of you are familiar with this, but rekindle your excitement and the flame in your heart about this because... We remember what we learned. We learned that God said, let us make, let us make. And that that in the Hebrew is plural and let us make. And um, that that's not a singular word. And so it has to be, you know, to us, it's it's obvious. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I wrote a dear friend in Israel who does incredible research. She's an incredibly brilliant Jewish woman and was one of my close friends in high school and um, now is married, lives in Israel, and her whole family's been moving back to Israel, coming from New York, coming from California, coming from everywhere. And I've asked her, and she said, because we're, that's what we're, we're supposed to be. We're just going home. And they're living in these little tiny cramped places and selling these large houses and giving up these, you know, practices. Um, her father was a, not a psych, a neurosurgeon, and her mother was a psycholo- or a psychologist, but I don't think either are practicing there in Israel. And I asked her, I said, you know, I can't understand why this would be plural in the Hebrew. 
And she said, this has long been a debate among the Jewish people, among many things. Um, and then she kind of jokingly wrote, we like to debate. <laughs> she wrote that the one of the leading Jewish scholars said, well, what he believes is that it was God kind of talking to the angels and saying, let us make man in our image. And... What doesn't make sense to me there is since when has an angel created anything? God's the creator. He is the father and he's also the son. So let's look at his name because we know names are so important in the Bible and we know the meaning of names are that 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 is very important. It still is, you know. The power of our words, the power of scripture, the power of saying God's word is still without returning void. It still goes out and does what God intends for it to do. And the Bible promises that. So you can like write someone a little scripture and be kind of squeamish about it and hand it to them. And you can be assured that God will use that in their life however he wants to use that. If you're being prompted to do that, do that, you know? And I used to have people say, well, I don't know whether it's God or not. You know, what if it's not? What if it's just me? I, what if it's just me thinking I should do this? And I, I finally just got to the point where I'm like, is it good? And if they say, yeah, it's good, I'm like, well, then God wouldn't care. You know, I mean, you don't have to say God told me to do this. You can just say, hey, I've been feeling like I'm supposed to do this. And that's the truth. And, you know, if it's good, we need to be blessing one another. Let's look at Jesus' name. In the Hebrew is... But I want to just say it means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus in the Hebrew means Jehovah is salvation. And it comes from two words, Jehovah, the existing one. Jehovah is the Hebrew name for God, the proper name for God. And it means the existing one, of course, because he always was and always is. And he was the creator. And so it comes from these two words, Jehovah, the existing one, and Yasha, a primitive word meaning savior. And so when we look at Jesus in the Hebrew, it it is a Hebrew name. It means Jehovah is salvation. And so just in the name, people would be alerted. Just in the name. The name of Jesus means the existing one, the Savior, from back in the beginning. I mean, he he would already be existing because Jesus existed before the creation of the world because Jesus is part of the Trinity. But yet he makes his manifestation upon earth as a man at a certain time, in a certain place, in a certain Everything, but God so wanted his people to notice that he said through all these different prophets, through all this different time periods and centuries, um, different prophecies about Jesus, such as the one we talked about. He'll be in the line of David. He'll ride a donkey. He'll be born of a virgin. And things that I'm sure most people, when the prophets said things, would be like, Okie dokie. You know, I, I sometimes am like, I'm so glad that I'm not a prophet, you know, because it would be so hard to, to, to have a word from God, especially something difficult, and to be out there 
saying it, and most people think you're loony, you know? And not that there aren't loony people out there in this world, and we shouldn't be careful, but there are people that are, are saying God's word and are saying truth, and people are like, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. And it does matter. It does. God speaks through his people. It reminds me, though, Jesus' name, uh, Philippians 2.9, because it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. At that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has been given the name above every name. The existing one, the, the all-knowing one that is our salvation is Jesus and so that, that would be in the Hebrew. In the Greek, which would be really towards the Greeks, and if you want to think of it this way, more towards the, the Gentiles, they look at Christ, and Christ comes from the name Christos, and that was not so hard to pronounce. Thank you very much. And it means to be set apart, touched by God. It means anointed one. So his full name, Jesus Christ, God, the existing one who is salvation, the anointed one of God, is saying a lot. When we say Jesus Christ, the angels in heaven and the demons on earth know and revere that name. I mean, when we say the name of Jesus, even people get uncomfortable. Even sometimes in a Bible study, even sometimes at church. Even sometimes at church, you can say, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way. There is no way to the Father except for through me. Well, I, I, um, I, um, does anyone, um, want some coffee? You know, it just makes people nervous. And yet, either he is who he says he is, or we need to just shuck the whole thing. Because he doesn't give us room to do anything else. And history lines up with the Bible and more and more discoveries scientifically are discovering what the Bible has been saying all along. Uh, including, uh, uh, I think it was maybe 20 years ago, nobody had, um, and maybe it's been a little bit longer, 30 years ago, but no one had ever seen in history the word Pontius Pilate. So they're like, oh yeah, I'm sure, you know, here's this guy that, killed Jesus or had him killed or, you know, washed his hands of him being killed, but was there and Jesus is supposed to be the Messiah. Jesus is all through history, written all through history by different beliefs. But Pontius Pilate, no. Well, they found this plaque now that says Pontius Pilate. And in it's just amazing how that was maybe 20, 30 years ago. What we'll find next, but the more that I discover, the more that you discover, the closer that you become, the more true and real that Christ is. And not as a historical figure, but as a person who's alive. You know, I was, I was telling Danny, I've been kind of getting into these really old songs lately, like that we don't sing anymore. And I don't. I, do you ever just discover CDs in your house and think, where did that come from? You know, and you stick it in your car and start liking it. And, and so I discovered this CD that has old songs like What a Friend, you know, We Have in Jesus. And the song that keeps speaking to me is um, Because He Lives. 
And it just basically says, because he lives, we can face tomorrow because he lives. You know, life is worth living just because he lives. And I think sometimes even I get up and get dressed and get the kids going, get the house, da, 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 and I look around, I'm like, why am I doing all this? And I have to sit back and go, because he lives. Because he lives. And because I am a part of God's plan. And because God paid the highest price you could pay for me. He did not redeem us, it tells us in the New Testament, with silver and gold. He redeemed us with the blood of his own son. I mean, you have been bought with a high price. And we're, you know, sometimes you feel like nothing's happening, nothing's happening, or what is happening, or I'm praying and nothing's happening. Trust that something is happening because Jesus, his time is not our time. You know, God's time is not our time. I cannot emphasize that enough. I cannot tell you how many times I've asked God to hurry up. I've given him suggestions. I've given him three choices. I've given him ideas. I've given him thoughts for miracles, things he could do, and still nothing, you know? And then when he does do something, it's just bigger and greater than I ever thought it could be. And then I say, oh, God, I'm so glad you didn't do it early. I'm so glad you didn't do it my way, and I'm so glad. Sometimes it takes me a long time to get to that place, but, you know, there are things in our lives that we just have to trust. And we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. That's why Eve got in trouble. And so that's what we need to be aware of. Following God's plan, forgiveness, Jesus, and man's reaction. I think it's really interesting to look at this. Um, I was up at 2 last night. And, and don't feel that sorry for me because I went to bed really early. And... Um, my daughter goes, not early enough to wake up at two. But anyway, that's a teenager. They would sleep all day if you let them. But they stay up till two. So I don't know what she was talking about. But anyway, um, I, I knew that I had more research to do before I taught this morning. And that the people that would hear this talk, God wants to hear this talk. And that that's important to him. And that those people then go... Now, I'm talking to you. And make a difference in this world. In the world. You know, think about how just many thousands of people you come across in your lifetime. And just imagine that touch of Jesus and that expression of truth that could come through your life or through your explanation to them. However God wanted it to come through. Sometimes we don't need words. And sometimes we do, you know. I get excited about that. But I look at God's plan for Jesus' forgiveness, and I want you to start, if you can, every time you hear the name Jesus, I want you to associate it with forgiveness. Because, see, that's why Jesus came. Like, I don't want you to hear Jesus and think, okay, God's son, uh-huh, yeah, part of the Trinity. Okay, check. I want you to hear forgiveness. And so God sent Jesus' forgiveness into the world. See, and the, the, the Hebrews were looking for a savior, but a conquering king. Someone who would return their land and make all the, the, the rights, the wrongs righted. And, 
and someone who would make, make them come out on the top on this earth. And they missed him. And then the Greeks were looking for knowledge. You know, tell us more, show us more. Even Paul appealed to them by, by saying, look, you all even have, a, they even had a statue for a god and it said the unknown god. You know, because they were always looking and searching for knowledge. And the Romans wanted power. And look, it's all in the name of Jesus, but it's different. So when Jesus at forgiveness came as a baby, I think we have the same reactions today in this world, in this society, as they did back then. Think about it. The simple people, the shepherds, and those watching out in nature and the angels rejoiced forgiveness came and the 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 angels rejoiced and the shepherds you know who weren't above who weren't so intellectual that they couldn't grasp wow there's a huge star and wow i really am hearing angels now they rejoiced and then i just thought about it i, I thought about most People missed it, really. Most people missed the whole thing. They missed the whole forgiveness thing. But then there were others who celebrated, like the wise men who were searching and seeking. And, you know, I had a friend, she's telling me about her relative, and she lives in another state, and so does her relative, so I think I'm safe on this, but how her relative has just become such a seeker And how she has ended up, you know, in India. And now she worships the God of prosperity and all this stuff. And I said to my friend, I said, you know, you can be a seeker of the answer you want. Or you can be a seeker of truth. And those magi, those kings, we don't really know how many there were, even though tradition says there are three. They were seeking truth and they found truth. So it's like the seekers found forgiveness and and they found Jesus. Jesus' forgiveness. The the cynics and the scholars and um, a lot of the religious people missed it because he didn't come the way they thought he should come. It never occurred to them that he would come as a humble human baby. So that doesn't count. I don't care if his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter. And then we have the political scene. The government, will say, is pretending to be accepting of Jesus, but in reality wants to slaughter him to the point where there is literally a slaughtering of all baby boys in the land to make sure that that kid does not grow up. Now, that's interesting. The government is not a religious part of um, the world, and yet they are standing on, I don't want anyone to overthrow me or dethrone me. See, the name of Jesus is dividing, and it's also intimidating because it has power. It is real. If you ever get in a situation where you don't know what to do, just say Jesus. I can't tell you how many times, especially when I couldn't breathe, 
when I was on that respirator for five days and in that coma thing and couldn't breathe and in and out of their the medications and all that they were giving me I they had pumped seven liters of fluid out of my lungs post a 15-hour reconstructive surgery and post eight blood transfusion so I was a little wiped out you know I wasn't feeling real hot and I couldn't talk but I was saying the name of Jesus and me Jesus 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 if you don't know anything else that name has power it's powerful God the all-existing one Savior our Lord so look at all these groups of people that didn't receive Jesus and why and, and I just want you to think about it. We can talk about it afterwards, but how that's similar to today? H- have we really changed that much? I mean, I still think that if Jesus came, it would be the same groups of people that would reject him or accept him for the same reasons. So I just think that's interesting. Um, I want us to look a little bit at the Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus' life. There's no way that I can go through all of them at about 3.30 this morning, I counted, and I may be wrong, I may be off, I may have not found them all, but by about 3.30 this morning, I counted 61 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in the New Testament by Jesus. 61. And I'm just going to read a few of them. Born of a virgin, that is in Isaiah 7:14, fulfilled in Matthew 1:18, 24 and 25. Son of God, that's from Psalm 2:7, fulfilled in Matthew 3:17. Seed of Abraham, tribe of Judah, family line of Jesse. I'm actually skipping every three just to get down to House of David, which was prophesied in Jeremiah 23:5, fulfilled in Luke 3:23 and 31, and then. Born at Bethlehem, it's a little bitty town, you know. Born at Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, Matthew 2.1. Herod kills the children is prophesied. I didn't realize that, or I forgot, or something. Prophesied by Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31.15, Matthew 2.16. It's prophesied that the leader of the land will kill the babies hoping to kill God in the flesh. And then his pre-existence, Micah 5.2. I, 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 I can't read them all. No, there are 61 of them. He should be called Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah 7.14, fulfilled in Matthew 1.23. He'll have a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, we'll call him Christ, the anointed one. Isaiah 11.2, Matthew 3.16 and 17. I mean, I, I would love to teach on every single one of these. Actually, I don't even think I teach. I think I just share. And sometimes I think I just share excitement. (laughs) But it's real. I guess it's zeal, you know. But it's real because it has changed my life. And I know as I'm driving over here that what I'm saying and what I'm sharing with you is what I'm living, you know. I have those moments too, like, what am I doing? And then I remember, because he lives, life's worth living. Because he lives, I have a purpose on this earth. Because he lives, it's never too late. I mean, I look at all, the, all these different people that made a huge impact in the world, and a ton of them did it in their latest, latest years of their lives. 
you know? And so it's not like, well, you need to start early and make a good impact and publish that book by the time you're 19 and make sure that you've memorized the entire New Testament and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's now. It's whatever God's doing with us now, and it's never too late. Um, concerning his ministry, it says that in Isaiah 40, verse 3, it talks about John the Baptist. I mean, preceded by a messenger. His ministry is to begin in Galilee. It's to be a ministry of miracles. He's to be a teacher of parables. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then there's even prophecies concerning his burial, his resurrection, Psalm 16.10, his ascension, Psalm 16.18, that he would be seated at the right hand of God, Psalm 110.1. It just goes all on and on and on. And you know what's miraculous to me is that 29 of these 61 prophecies which were written at various times by various people throughout the ages, throughout basically five centuries, 29 were filled within 24 hours. Does that blow your mind? That blows my mind. Betrayed by a friend, and I I don't have time to read the references, but I'm going to read these 29, so sit back, sister. Betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver, not 29 pieces, not 40, 30. You've got to think of how specific God is being. In other words, he's saying, don't miss it. How could they have missed it? And you know, sometimes in my life when I miss stuff that God is saying and God is doing is because I didn't want to find it. Because then I'd have to change. So when he talks, I go, la, 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 la. Or I pretend like I didn't hear. Or I'll say, God, you know, I am in the vast majority. <laughs> Which he doesn't care about anyway, because you're his child. He doesn't care what anybody else is doing. He loves you. How could they miss it? Money is to be thrown down in God's house. Price given for a potter's field. Forsaken by his disciples. Accused by false witness. Mute before accusers. Wounded and bruised. Smitten and spit upon. Mocked. Fell upon the cross. Hands and feet pierced. Crucified with thieves. Made intercession for his persecutors. Rejected by his own people. Hated without a cause. Friends stood far off. People shook their heads. This is all in the Old Testament. Being prophesied and fulfilled in the 24 hours of Jesus' crucifixion and death and burial and ascension. Stared upon, garments parted and lots cast, suffered thirst, gall and vinegar offered him, his forsaken cry. How could we forget that? Psalm 22.1 tells us the forsaken cry of the son feeling his father for the first time turn from him. The first time they were ever separated was when Jesus took on all of our sins and God had to look away in the cry of the son. You know, singing that song earlier, all all we need is Jesus. You can have the whole world, but all I need is Jesus. It's because God is our Jehovah Jireh, which means he's our provider. God is our Jehovah Rapha, which means he's our healer. God is our Jehovah Shalom, which means he is our peace. He is everything. And 
When we seek Him, like it says in Matthew 8, 16, first, all these other things are added. So I'm just going to finish because I said I was, so I just got to hold my word. Committed himself to God. His bones were not broken. His heart was broken. His side was pierced. Darkness was over the land. I, I could read all of these references. Darkness over the land was from Amos 8, 9, fulfilled in Matthew 27, 45. Buried in a rich man's tomb. And so even with all of these historical reference points and, and, and prophecies, it still amazes me that we miss it. How do we miss it? And I thought of a couple of questions, and then I saw a couple of questions in a book that I thought was interesting. I thought, I like that question answered. Maybe the fulfilled prophecies were actually written at or after the time of Jesus. You know, so maybe the writers just hurried and Jesus had already lived. And then they did all these prophecies and pretended like they were written before he lived. And the answer is that 450 B.C. is the date of the Old Testament completion. 250 B.C. is when we had the Greek translation of the Old Testament. We're talking 250 years at least before he was born. So that's an impossibility. Strike it out. Another question. The fulfilled prophecy in Jesus was deliberate on his part. Jesus simply set out to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. I guess it's not really a question, but when people go, okay, yeah, but Jesus, you know, he knew the Old Testament really well, so he just fulfilled it. You know, he just said, hey, I'm just going to fulfill it. Well, first of all, did he get to choose the place of his birth? I mean, think about the things that were prophesied. Did he get to choose the time of his birth, the manner of his birth, the betrayal, the manner of his death, people's reactions, the piercing of his side, the burial? It is so amazing to me how people can scoff at that and then realize, how could a man fulfill something? that he has no control over. Those are at least eight things that were prophesied that he would have no control over. And then another one is the fulfilled prophecy of Jesus was just coincidental. And and I'm going to just kind of end at this just because I'm blowing myself away. And so I don't know about y'all, but I want you to have time to reflect and to, to, to visit a little bit. And so... I'm going to share this one last thing. The fulfilled prophecy in Jesus was coincidental. Okay, scientifically speaking, and, and I am not a mathematician or a scientist, okay? And, and no one had to be really convinced. Well, and I said that, and I don't know why, because I thought you all, all thought I was a mathematician and a scientist. But scientifically speaking, the probability of one man fulfilling only eight of the prophecies, remember there are 61, the probability of one man fulfilling Eight prophecies of the Old Testament for the Messiah would be one in ten to the seventeenth power. So I tried to figure out what it would take to be one man trying to fulfill all 61. And I couldn't come up with a number for it. I mean, there isn't. It's like when you take... One in 10 to the 17th power. And then you start putting, it's like infinite zeros behind something. Infinite zeros. 
It's impossible is what it means. It's impossible for anyone to fulfill. And so I just want to end with Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. You believe that for your own life? You've got to believe that for your own life. God wants to accomplish all his good pleasure in our lives. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But I just want to throw myself into the arms of Jesus and say, I can't get him to make me. I wish I could sing a song called, Make Me Do Your Will. Make me do your will. And then if that worked, that would be great. But it's not. You know what it is? It's take me. It's not make me. Take me. It's that choice of sacrificing yourself like it talks about in Romans 12 too. The self-sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Because God's not going to make you. Remember, love is a choice. But he wants to take you. And he wants to take you places that you would never imagine. Not only in this life, but in the next. And it's not because you're good or I'm good. It's because his son is good. Forgiveness is good. God is good. And we receive him. And we also need to say, okay, take me. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you 